please rise for the reading of God's word. We'll be going into the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Amen. Please take a seat. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day that we have this opportunity to come together as a body to to sing songs of praise and really listen to your word, Lord. And at this time, as we dive into this very familiar yet difficult text, I pray that you would... um, our hearts and open our minds. Help us to understand your ways um, with more clarity, Lord. Help us to live a life that, uh, with, uh, that, that's honoring to you, Lord. We want to obey your word. So speak to us at this moment. We thank you in Jesus' name pray. So there are times as a believer, I don't know about you, but you know, I definitely went through this uh, before, where we have a tendency to think that what we do in this life at the end of the day does not matter. Uh, I mean, as long as we have Jesus, as long as we are sure about our faith, as long as we have made that commitment to the Lord, uh, I mean, really, what we do about our life, it's secondary. You know, yeah, we want to live a decent life. Yes, we want to be a good person. You know, we want to do the right things, but we do recognize that we are human beings, that we have limitations. We do recognize that we are never going to achieve perfection right, until Jesus returns. We understand that we are going to struggle with sin constantly, that, um, that this battle with all these mistakes and, and the mess that we create in our lives, it, it's real, that we're not going to graduate from that anytime soon. And then we kind of think about the other side, and we say, but God is loving. He is forgiving. No, he is so gracious to us. And therefore, at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't really matter what I do with my life. It really matters what I believe in this life. I have the gift of salvation. I can't lose my salvation once I have it. Therefore, um, I mean, I'm going to try my best not to embarrass myself, not to embarrass my church, not to embarrass my family, but at the end of the day, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay if I kind of mess up along the way. I'll just be fine. Heaven awaits me. You know, this type of thought process kicks in, especially when you are struggling with a repetitive sin, when there's a sin that you've been struggling for days and days, months and months, maybe for years, and you really tried hard. You prayed about it, you know, you you shared it with other people, you know, you made decisions, and yet nothing is happening in your life. And when you see that, when you see that this sin is not going away in your life, you come to the conclusion, maybe it's just not meant to be. Maybe it's meant to be there the whole time, and I'm just supposed to, you know, believe that, that you know, God somehow is going to work things out, and at the end of the day, I'm going to be in heaven. Though, so, uh, there's another group of people who think that in such a way. Seniors. 
no, <laughs> high school seniors, college seniors in, in the last semester, last year, right? Especially, you know, you know nowadays, uh, our high school seniors, they are sending in their applications. Some of them already heard uh, from their college, colleges. And if you remember back uh, when you were in high school, right, the first semester, you want to study hard. You want to make sure you get all your grades up. And what happens in the second semester? It doesn't really matter because, you know, what you do at that point, the grades that you make, Right? Um, I mean, as long as you pass, uh, you have to pass, by the way, and, and in order to, to kind of send in that final record to your colleges. Um, and, but, you know, you receive an acceptance letter in the middle of your last semester. So it seems like, yeah, why bother to study? You know, why try my best? You know, why take all those AP exams or go do different things? You know, it's very natural for seniors to think, okay, um, it would be nice if I study hard, but I don't really have to do it because the result of my life, the result of my high school career is already set. You know, I know which college I'm going to go to. Therefore, I don't really have to try that hard. We call this senioritis, right? And as Christians, I think we think in the same terms because we, know, we, we believe that we know the final destination and we see kind of the struggle in our own lives. But when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, arguably Jesus' most famous sermon in all of Scripture, in Matthew 5, Jesus he reveals that the kingdom of God is dramatically different from this world, that it has different values. He reveals this through the Beatitudes. He talks about how these different people you know, are blessed in, in, in the kingdom of God. And people in the world will say that, man, these people, they are living miserable lives. These people are cursed. But God says these are actually the people who are blessed, the ones who are poor in spirit, the people who mourn, the people who are meek, the people who are hungry for righteousness. Those are the people who are blessed in God's kingdom. And then he kind of takes it another step and he says, well, not only are the values of God's kingdom dramatically different, but the mission of God's kingdom is dramatically different. He says you are salt and light. You are supposed to be different in this world. You are supposed to be salt, a preservative uh, in a decaying world. You are supposed to be light, shine light in the midst of a dark world. Your mission is completely different. You are no longer civilians, but you are soldiers for God. God says, uh, Jesus says that it is through your good works that your light will shine to the rest of the world, and hopefully they will see God's glory. So the nature of God's kingdom is completely different. The mission of God's kingdom is completely different. And then we came to this verse, Matthew 5.20, where Jesus says, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus just brings it up a notch. He says, uh, for us to embrace God's kingdom, to, for us to embrace the mission of God's kingdom, we need a greater sense of righteousness. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And today, you know, and starting from last week, Jesus has been dealing with these specific issues. Now, what exactly does that look like? And today, he's hitting a very sensitive issue, even in our culture, sexual immorality. So in verse 27, Jesus quoting from Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, saying from the Ten Commandments, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intention has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the word adultery, we commonly think of it as, you know, a married person sleeping with someone else, uh, uh, breaking the bondage of marriage. It really means that there should be no sexual immorality within the confines of marriage. 
right? It's not just talk about sleeping with someone else. It is talking about any type of sexual interaction, any type of intimacy with another person. The Bible is saying that that is wrong. And we can say amen to that, right? Uh, Most of us, hopefully, have have not committed this sin, right? This act, it seems like, no, that's that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's not cool to take someone else's, you know, girl. That's just not cool, right? You don't touch someone else's wife. You know, you just don't do that. You know, even non-Christians can agree that this is crazy. This is out of bounds. We actually have laws to prevent these things. But notice what Jesus says in verse 28. He brings it up a, a whole notch. He brings it, this issue to a new level. He says, well, the sin of adultery is not just about what you do. It's not just about uh, what you do in the confines of marriage, but actually looking at any woman lustfully with any lustful intention, any lustful desire, that is a sin. You are committing adultery in your heart. And that's when we say, oh, man, that's, that's kind of harsh. No, that's a bit too much. No, that's a hard pill to swallow because a lot of us can confidently say, well, I never committed adultery. But not many of us can confidently say, I never lust after a person. You know, so what is Jesus saying here? You know, why is Jesus talking in such an extreme sense? No, if you look at verse 28, the word look, uh, by the way, it's not talking about a simple glance, right? It's not talking about you just looking at a person and you think, oh, that person is beautiful. That person is gorgeous. That person um, is handsome, uh, uh, pretty, uh, and you just move on. That's not lust. No, he's not talking about the look, but that verb is in the present tense in the Greek, meaning that it's a continual looking that he's talking about. So, you know, if you accidentally walk through the mall and you see Victoria's Secret and you're like, you turn away, you haven't lust at that point, right? However, what you do at that moment can turn into lust. By the way, that was shocking. You know, I came to, I was born in the States, but I went back to Korea. I came to, back to the States when I was in 11th grade. And, and, you know, the first time I went to the mall, it was like eye-opening. I was just blew my mind how that could be there, right there. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the, the company or anything, but it just blew my mind about the culture. And sooner or later, I found out that there's a lot worse things in our culture today than, than that. But what I'm trying to say is Jesus is not condemning the simple look. But if you look at something and you look at it again and you think about it, and your mind just constantly goes to that. It's talking about a constant looking, a constant gaze on a person or constant thought on a person. That is what Jesus is talking about. And why would you do that? Really, to satisfy something in your soul, some sort of desire in your soul. Jesus says that is lust. No, that's when a look turns into lust. And so how do you know that it's not a look and it's lust? You simply ask yourself, why am I looking? No, why am I constantly looking? You know, am I looking at these things because it's pleasing to God? Or is it there's something that's, I'm, that I'm craving deep down in my soul? Or that there's something that I, I'm, I'm getting, wanting to get out of this type of experience? That's the lust that we are talking about. The heart of adultery is lust. No, Jesus is not saying, by the way, that lust equals adultery. I heard that before. Some extreme pastors would say, well, um, we didn't talk about this passage, but right, the passage right before this talks about anger. So anyone who is angry against the brother, you have committed murder. So according to Jesus' standards, uh, about, uh, yeah, 100% of us are murderers. Um, and uh, he also says, if you had a lawful th- thought before, then you are adulterers. 
That means uh, approximately 99, I think it's safe to say about 100% of us <laughs> are adulterers. So this room is filled with murderers and adulterers. And we can feel good about ourselves. That's not what Jesus is saying. No, Jesus, you know, is not trying to make the argument that, you know, a sin is a sin is a sin, that, you know, therefore we should feel bad about ourselves, we should be ho- feel horrible about ourselves, and that's why the only way is the cross. That's not the argument he's trying to make here. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But what he's basically saying is what you think, which is not a sin, because a lot of Pharisees, a lot of the religious leaders, they thought, seriously, outside of adultery, you know, having a sexual relationship with maybe a, a married person, they didn't consider it as a sin. They simply bounded by the law. They said, only in the confines of marriage are you restricted to this command. And what Jesus is saying is, no, that's not really true. There is a greater level of purity that I demand. It's not just the act of adultery, but it's the intention of adultery. You know, what you consider not to be sin might be this deadly sin in God's eyes. That's what he's trying to say. No, so God, he is demanding a greater level of purity. He wants us to check our hearts more than our actions. He wants us to check our intentions. You know, why are we looking? And with this greater purity, we need to, to put on a greater fight, a stronger fight. Look at verse 29 and verse 30. It says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better you lose one of your members then that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And again, extremely strong words. Now Jesus, he is asking a lot. So what exactly is Jesus saying here? No, is he saying, yeah, we should take out our eyes, we should take out our hands? I was thinking about this, and I was praying to God, God, I only have two hands. I only have two eyes. I mean, my body, it's not going to last, like, you know, a year if I continue to do this. No, it's just really trying to, you know, push us towards uh, this, you know, self-harm, us, you know, cutting down our different, you know, limbs and stuff. Uh, I don't think so. And there are people in history that actually did this. You know, when I was in Egypt, there was this big church, and um, the, the founder of that church, you know, I think he's a legend, because what he did was he looked at a woman, and he had lustful thoughts, so he took out both of his eyes. And the church said he's a legend, because he actually did what the Word of God said. And I said oh, man, you can still lust without eyes, right? <laughs> That's not going to solve your problem. I don't know how holy that person is, but there are many ways that you can lust without eyes. Jesus is not saying simply tearing this out, cutting your hand. It's not going to fix the problem. Now, even when we do that, you know, we are still subject to temptation. You know, so what is Jesus trying to say here? I do think he is using hyperbole, meaning that he is a bit exaggerating things a little bit for a purpose. I don't think he's telling us to go ahead and cut our hands and take off our eyes, but I do think he's saying you have to put a stronger fight into your battle with sin. I do think he's saying that you got to be radically different when it comes to battling sexual sin. No, as crazy as it might sound like, taking an eye out, cutting a hand off, you have to make radical decisions in your life in order to stay away from this. If not, you will fall into temptation. And what is real in this text is if you follow this lustful heart, where, you, where do you arrive? It says, well, your whole body be thrown into hell. 
Again, in verse 30, your whole body will be thrown into hell. The final destination of a lustful heart is always eternal judgment and punishment. No, Jesus, he demands a greater purity from us, and this demands a stronger battle on our part. You know, so how practically, how can we fight sexual immorality? Uh, I think the typical way to fight this, you know, most Christians do this. Uh, we read the Bible, we pray, we ask God, God, I'm sorry for all the thoughts that I had. I'm sorry for all the actions that I took. Uh, would you forgive me? I won't do it again. Help me, Holy Spirit. And then they just go back to their everyday life, and in a couple of days, they fall into the same sin. No, for some reason, they believe that if they pray, there's going to be this super magical thing that happens in their hearts, and they're going to have the ability to all of a sudden control their emotions, control their thoughts, control their will, and they're going to stay away from sin. And what Jesus is saying is, no, it's more serious than that. Your fight has to be a lot deeper than that. There are times when, when you battle this sin, it's going to feel uncomfortable. There are times when you battle this sin, it's going to hurt. But you still have to do it. It's, it's better you know, in order to treasure purity, he tells us, you know, guard your eyes. I think that's what he said, he's, he's meaning when he's talking about the eyes, right? There are things that we look at that we should not do. You know, I think if we can translate verse 29 um, in today, I don't think God will use the reference of the eyes. I think he will say maybe cell phone or computer, right? He's, he's going to say, hey, if your phone, if your computer causes you to stumble so much, get rid of it or do something about it. And you might say, oh, that's so inconvenient. I can't live without my phone. No, I, I can't go back to my flip phone. No, I need a smart, I need unlimited data, right? I, I need all this. And what God is saying is, yeah, I understand that it might be uncomfortable, but cut it out. If that causes you to stumble, take radical decisions. You know, I know there's a lot of good stuff on Netflix, but if you're constantly going on Netflix fishing for other stuff, then don't subscribe to it. You know, if you know that after watching a movie that, you know, that something lingers in your heart, in your head, maybe you shouldn't go watch those rated R movies. You know, I said this before, our heart is a lot more deceitful than you actually know. You know, the people who really follow God, you know, Samson, who was the greatest kind of fighter, he was the strongest man um, in the Bible. You know, Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible. David, the guy after God's own heart. Every single person fell into sexual sin. And what makes you think you're any better? When you think you're strong, that's when the enemy comes in and he's going to destroy you, rip you apart. No, don't do it. No, when we look at the life of Joseph and he's tempted by Potiphar's wife, no, it says in scripture that he fleed from that situation. He didn't just try to dialogue with, with, with the wife saying, oh, I don't think you should do this. You should put on your clothes. You know, you should, we shouldn't be doing this. And maybe there's, you know, the, the husband's going to come in. No, he, he's just like, I have no part of this. I'm leaving. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm leaving this scene. He, he fleed from that scene. And that's what we need to do sometimes. We, we can't trust ourselves. And at this point, I do want to mention, maybe we have this temptation to think that lust is simply a problem with men. But there's a study that says actually 13 million American women click on pornography sites each month. You know, roughly one-third of visitors are actually women on these adult entertainment websites. You know, pornography is not just an issue of men. You know, recently, there's a famous novel, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, which was marketed against women. And that, is actually, that, that was one of the best-selling novels on Kindle. You know, it's, it, it is a real issue. 
you know, our, our society is tainted with sexual immorality, and we need to take a radical approach to fight this. If you're not struggling with this, I'm pretty sure someone around you, someone that you love, is struggling with this issue. Now, one radical way that we can, uh, one radical approach that we can take is this. Uh, we can bring this issue to light. And that means if you're married, maybe you have to talk to your wife. If you're, maybe you have to talk to your husband, that if you have been unfaithful. You know, if you are single, maybe that means you have to talk to someone that you trust, that you, that knows, that you know that is going to speak love in, uh, and truth into your life. Someone that can really pray over you. You know, I know it feels uncomfortable. You know, there are a lot of things that we would rather do than go have that conversation. It is extremely difficult. But what God is saying today is we need to take a radical approach and ending the conversation, you simply say, the reason I open up in such a way is because I never want to have this conversation again with you. you no, know, you be transparent with your spouse. You no, know, there are many ways that we can guard our hearts. And, this, and while this confession, by the way, it doesn't solve everything, it does something. It begins this process of forgiveness inside of your heart that you, because if you don't deal with this, you're going to be covered with shame, that you're going to be covered with guilt. Instead of approaching God every single time you think about God, you're going to, you're going to have this tendency to hide because you feel so impure. You know, in 1 John 1, 9, it's a very famous passage. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. No, it begins with confessing our sins. Don't just confess it to anyone, you know, but someone that you really trust and love. Someone that you know is going to pray for you and speak truth in your life. Now, at the end of the day, lust is a distorted version of love. You know, if you think about it, when you're dating, a lot of times what you think is love can actually be lust. What's the difference? Lust is self-centered. You pursue a relationship because you want something in, out of that relationship. Love is selfless. You just read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, how God loves us in such a sacrificial way, in a selfless way, that it's not about just receiving, it's more about giving. There's a clear difference between love and lust. And I think it is possible to have attraction in and, and date someone without having to fall in lust. You can embrace love. And the only way that you'll embrace love, by the way, is if you understand God's love in a deep way. Because if you don't understand God's love in a deep way, you will never be able to love someone else in a sacrificial way. Everything at the end of the day will be about you if you never have experienced the, the, the loving kindness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. No, David, the great king, after he falls into temptation, after he sins against Sheba and Uriah, he writes this psalm in Psalm 51, and we looked at that um, a couple months ago. But when he prays to the Lord and when he asks for forgiveness, he doesn't say, God, would you forget about what I did? No, would you just erase what I did? What he prays is, God, would you give me a clean heart and a contrite spirit? He doesn't ask for, for God to just simply forget about his mistakes. He says, God, give me a clean heart. And do you know why? Because in Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the clean heart, for they shall see God. A clean heart is always connected to your relationship with God. And what Jesus is saying today is that you don't have to give yourself to other things, to men, to women. You don't have to seek for relationships 
in order to satisfy something in your soul, but you have the lover of your soul right in front of you. You have Jesus Christ who is willing to give everything to you, that he, he gave everything to you. And so you don't have to try to find your value and your worth in these relationships, but knowing that you are loved by God, knowing that you are loved by Jesus, you can actually love other people in a genuine way in these relationships. You don't have to stumble with lust, but you can actually pursue love. Jesus, he requires of us a greater level of purity, and this demands a greater, stronger fight. And when we guard our hearts and when we maintain this pure heart, that is when we can see the Lord. No, Psalm 24, 3 and 4, it says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Guard your heart, embrace the love of Christ, and let's fight the good fight. Let's pray.